Each week, I'll be bringing you stories of people living lives of fruitful service, of peace, community, compassion, creative action, and progressive efforts. I'll be tracing the spiritual roots that support and nourish them in their service, hoping to inspire and encourage you to sink deep roots and produce sacred fruit in your own life. Let us sing song for the dreaming of the world That we may Some events seem to crystallize a yearning and movement in the hearts of people everywhere in the way that the civil rights movement or the Occupy movement originated in certain cities and spread their inspiration nationwide. That seems to be what has been happening because of the confrontation at the Standing Rock Reservation in North Dakota. Though nominally it has been about protecting sacred land and water in one particular place, it has seeded and grown parallel, like-minded and like-spirited witness and work widely across the USA. The ground I live on in Wisconsin is called the Chippewa Valley, and there emerged in September this year a group called the Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers. In a couple short months, they've done and inspired so much that I wanted to welcome them on right away to talk of their vision and their work. So we welcome two of the core members of the CVEK, Mary and Rob, as they sit down in an occasionally noisy room next to an occasionally slamming door on the campus of the University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire. Rob, I'm so pleased you could join us today for Spirit in Action. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. And Mary, it's really wonderful to have you. I've known you for so many years. It's the first time I've had you on my program, though. Thanks for joining me for Spirit in Action. I'm glad to be here. And Mary, part of your role here is you are one of the founding mothers of Chippewa Valley Earth Protectors. I take it that you got in a little bit later on the startup, Rob. Could you tell me a little bit about the founding? When did it happen? How did it happen? How did the six mothers come together? A day in September, we gathered. We were called with an email, and so we gathered in a prairie farm out in Boyceville. We decided that we wanted to put all of our strengths together and create a group to bring water into focus Part of it was because of what is going on in North Dakota, but we are all pretty strong in our water beliefs. And is there any particular reason that your name was on that list? Was there anyone who was called to the six who didn't show up because they didn't feel the same leading? Well, I probably was called because of my belief system, what I post on social media sites, my feelings about the environment and pretty much started in the Monsanto marches. It was food first. And I found, like, people have, should become aware, aware of their food, their water, their resources. We'll all live in a better place if we can accomplish that. 
And you, Rob, evidently you're not one of the mothers, but I guess they let fathers come in too. Yes. I was so happy to learn about the event. I think it was maybe in September, October that was hosted at Phoenix Park. I was drawn to that. And the event was just exactly what I felt like I needed, which was to connect with people who were also very concerned about the environment and concerned in a way that was very centered in our humanness and going beyond just sort of a superficial sense of things. It was a deeper connection with nature that I feel has been lost and should be restored. And I'm really happy that Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers is working not just on environmental things, but also the spiritual connection to the land that I think needs to be restored for people to truly have the motivation and deeper insight of what our project is if we're going to survive throughout the 21st century. And of course, the precipitating event for this is the brave witness that's happening at Standing Rock, where the Dakota Access Pipeline is supposed to cut through sacred lands And it's cutting through lands of people who have a certain awareness of our connection with the earth. So many things in our society, sometimes people talk about the sacred dollar in our society, and that's obviously a perversion of the intent. What is there about the Standing Rock witness that particularly called you, Mary? Well, definitely Standing Rock has brought attention to the water situation. We can take that and spread it all over the United States because the underground tributaries could all be affected because of the way they run. And especially throughout the Midwest, there's large areas of tributaries that the oil could get into. And that's why the Standing Rock was the first, first the Native Americans decided to do something about it. And they're not doing it for just themselves. They're doing it for us, too. They understand how these tributaries and what they mean. You said, Rob, that you were very drawn when they had the gathering down at Phoenix Park, that there was something about that deeply called to you. What was there about this moment that's led you to get involved? Well, it's personally been a long journey for me. I kind of grew up a bit in the suburbs and in the city of Milwaukee, and so Personally, I didn't have the greatest connection with nature, but that's actually what created the push, this disconnection and this feeling of alienation, knowing that there's something missing. And so the water ceremony that happened at Phoenix Park connected these big ideas about the existential crisis of humanity, of having access to clean drinking water and climate change transforming the climate, creating dangerous weather patterns, and changing just our ability to do agriculture. So connecting those big abstract ideas that I learned while I was studying anthropology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and then this very tangible spirituality in the water ceremony that isn't really the same as kind of mainstream religion. It's, for me, the most authentic connection with the world that Native Americans have and that was kind of demonstrated at the ceremony, really just the fact that we should worship and give gratitude to nature because that's how we survive. Growing up, I went to church and I 
certainly don't want to outright reject Christianity, but I just feel there are so many things that we're missing from it that I find in the religious beliefs and ways of life of the people who are indigenous to this land and who have maintained that tradition, whereas my family are immigrants, just like most people who live here, and they have lost that organic connection with nature. And that's why I feel there's so much dysfunction. And so I understand the big abstract ideas. I'm also drawn to kind of the deeper meaning that will help give us direction in terms of how to heal the wounds that have been going on for centuries and how to create a different society that's not alienated from each other or from nature, but is connected and can create a society that is sustainable, whereas our society right now clearly is not. No one likes this society. No one likes the way this country is run right now. And everyone wants to change it, but I think there are different ideas about how we're going to do that. And so we need to have a discussion about what those ideas are and which are the best ones that we should follow. You mentioned, Rob, a water ceremony that happened at, and, and I guess our listeners probably don't know, this happened at a place called Phoenix Park in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which is right at the confluence of two rivers. There's the Chippewa River and there's the Eau Claire River, which come together right by there. And so there was a water ceremony. What was that ceremony? Rob, can you describe it? Or, or Mary, I suppose you were part of setting it up. Yes, I was part of setting it up. At our first meeting, we thought that the first event we should hold is a water blessing. So that is what we did down at Phoenix Park. I forget exactly the date at this moment. We have several people who have indigenous backgrounds, so they did the native tribal part of the spirituality of the ceremony. A large number of people showed up, and it was very spiritual, We all went down to the river and blessed it, and that was our first event that we planned. I really like how organized Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers were at this event in that they had flyers to hand out to people. They had a clipboard for people to sign up to get involved. They had a donation jar, but they also read a statement, so they were taking knowledge from another place, and it was a statement of a chief kind of explaining the time that we're at right now that we face in human history and explaining the situation we're in. They had a prayer where people smoked tobacco. They were very giving. Anyone who wanted to join in that, and I did, could. And that was part of the prayers, which is a very long-standing Native American tradition when people come together to smoke tobacco. And then they created a space for anyone to speak who wanted to. And for me, as someone who, you know, has observed politics in Madison, having an open space for people to express themselves and hear each other is something that doesn't happen enough. I just knew that Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers is a community that's truly interested in a radical democracy and not a superficial sort of inviting people and then telling them what to think and what to do. And so that's what really drew me to go to their meeting that followed the ceremony in Phoenix Park. And did either of you offer a prayer at that gathering? And if so, what kinds of words of prayer come to you? What what express what you're trying to reach toward here? We asked to bless Mother Earth 
her resources, the environment, and all those that are fighting in this society right now to protect those resources. That is the biggest prayer I offered up. Mine was basically thinking about Standing Rock very specifically. And as I think I poured some water from a jar, laid some flowers down into the water at Phoenix Park, I kind of spoke my wishes for the Enbridge Energy Company to be defeated and for the tribe to be successful in the struggle. That I want general positive things, but I think there's also a very specific goal. The goal is for the victory of the tribe at Standing Rock. I pray with my wife in particular, and uh, when I pray, I, I find that most often now the most important prayer for me to do is a prayer of thanks. And then second most is the prayer to have myself changed. And then usually I get around to, and would you change those people who've got their heads up their butt? Or, you know, would you change that and open someone's heart? I mean, those are both the same intent in spite of the fact that one sounds crude and the other one doesn't. But it, it, what kinds of prayers come to you and came that day? Were they all about making things happen over in the Dakotas at Standing Rock, or were there other kinds of prayers that we should know about? Really, my thoughts were with Standing Rock that day. I came to that event inspired by what people were doing there, the fact that they weren't waiting around for a politician or for looking to the law that actually does stand on their side in terms of the treaties that have been signed with the government, the fact that there should be an environmental investigation before the pipeline is laid and that the tribe should be consulted. And they weren't waiting around for those things. They were simply doing exactly what they believed in and physically standing in the way. And so I think myself and others have been so inspired by the fact that they're just acting directly on their beliefs. And that's why my prayers were with them to be successful in their struggle with energy partners. My prayers that day were not only for the people in North Dakota, but also for our state of Wisconsin. Being somewhat of an activist and marching against Enbridge a few times in the past, Mother Lake Superior has 20% of the world's fresh water in. And when I became aware of that, I fight these thoughts that I want to protect her too. And Enbridge is sending pipes down through Wisconsin in huge amounts and that the Indians also know, and they have said this at their meetings, that they're not only fighting for themselves, they're fighting for us too. Mary, because I've known you longer, I'm very aware of your connection with the land, with the community gardens, and I mean, you've been part of the Chippewa Valley Garden Club, and you've been cornerstone at 4th Street Community Gardens, you've been with the Chippewa Valley Transition Network, and working with the eco-teams there, so very clearly, I'd say there's a soil aspect of your engagement Rob, you, on the other hand, have this degree first in cultural anthropology and teaching social studies as your master's. What elements are you connected with? Is it water, is it land, is it earth, or is it people, the spirit? I would say that as a teacher, an academic, and as an intellectual, I've always thirsted for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. But, you know, in my journey through 
life, I've realized that knowledge isn't an end in itself if it's not actually helping people. And so I've had this journey of trying to connect knowledge in a humanistic way, where it's serving people and helping me just kind of self-actualize to understand the world around me and myself and my experiences and how they affect me. And so just seeing my experiences and those of my friends and family, I want to connect this knowledge that I've gained about the world and this disconnection from nature that's happened, this alienation that causes humans to destroy the earth without truly understanding the implications that it's not separate from them, but actually if you destroy the earth, you're actually destroying yourself. And so that's really the perspective that I take in connecting these big ideas that I've learned from college and from reading and my studies that I kind of have with me as a resource as a teacher and really connecting it on a practical level of what's good for myself, my community, and humanity as a whole. I'd be interested if we could get a little bit scientific here. I come from both scientific and spiritual backgrounds, and so I, I, I value both sides. Science is crucial to how we implement our lives here on Earth. One of the things that I saw in an article, and it, it bothered me when I saw it, was that there were different mappings of how the pipeline could have gone, that they, in fact, chose to route it uh, across reservation land, against sac- across sacred land, just because there were some powerful money interests who didn't want it to go across their land. And that's a, a famously unjust way of making a decision. But that led me to think about, well, so what if the tribes gathered at Standing Rock, including all the people from even from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, who go over there? If they get their way and the pipeline doesn't go through that, does that just mean it goes over several miles in another direction? And doesn't that threaten our water in completely the same way? So is Standing Rock really about the pipeline not going through sacred lands? Or is it that really the pipeline needs to not happen? I have thoughts about that subject. We really need to get away from fossil fuels. All of the disasters, the earthquakes, the contamination of the waterways are all because we're not protecting our natural resources. Water is life. We cannot exist without water. And what I don't understand is why this is happening why this is being allowed to happen in the United States. These companies are not even corporations of the United States, and it's not going to be of of purpose for us anyway. It's being shipped to other places. And why we are destroying Mother Earth is really something that needs to be looked at at all levels of church, government, cities, states, and decide, are we going to allow them to take all of our natural resources and contaminate them so that we do not have a healthy environment to live in? Well, I think the answer is really simple, that this is a fight really with an industry that began in the late 1800s and early 1900s, the fossil fuel industry, that we really don't need and shouldn't want anymore. It's common knowledge that we have alternative resources that are renewable because of recent developments in technology. Solar, wind, water, even bacteria. There's so many different options 
that are so much more powerful and effective and safer for using energy to just do the things that we use for life. So it's really a no-brainer that the fossil fuel energy needs to go. I think it's just the fact that they've been able to accumulate so much wealth and power that the perception they've been able to create in this country is that we need them when we don't. And if you follow democracy now, this very industry has known that their actions, their activities have created climate change, that they found in studies that carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases trap energy and create climate change. And so it's really beyond a doubt that not only do we need to desperately get rid of this industry and transform it, but it's practically possible. It's something that we can do. And so it's really the political will that the people who don't benefit from this industry, which is the majority of the country in the world, people who don't have stock in this company, who aren't employed by this company, and who don't profit from it, should change it. And I think the people that are most pitted against it are in a mindset that it's a mentality of capitalism that profit and very narrow self-interest is more important than anything else. I realize I'm asking about the purposes of organizations at multiple levels. There is an organization here in the Chippewa Valley of Wisconsin that is called, you know, the the Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers or the Chippewa Valley Earth Protectors. They're doing both of those roles. And the goals of the CVEK may not be the same as the goals of the people who are standing at Standing Rock. So what you were just speaking about, Rob, was the wider goals. It's transformation of society. It's transformation of our relationship to the earth. Is the goal of the people at Standing Rock maybe the most of them, the declared goal, whatever, is that that the pipeline shouldn't go through their sacred lands? Is that the limit, or is it this pipeline has to stop? As with any movement, there are always different perspectives, and so maybe any given individual at Standing Rock might have a different idea, but I have seen statements from people at Standing Rock, and there's a slogan that goes, keep the oil in the soil, and I'm pretty sure, like, they have a, such a deep understanding, personally, directly, about the dangers of the fossil fuel industry that they, in principle, aren't just against the pipeline and the damage it could create to the water, but they're concerned about the planet as a whole because they know that even if they stop the pipeline from going near them, if the planet is in danger, they're in danger as well, and so am I. And you made the point, Mary, about the interconnectedness of our water system throughout the entire North American region. You know, you water the, watch the tributaries and you watch where they feed into Lake Superior, down the Mississippi, and so on. What's your view on what the purpose is of the folks at Standing Rock and how that compares to the purpose of the folks in the Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers? Well, to go back to the original reason we created this group, was to address in the hearts and minds with the water situation that Standing Rock was the first to bring forward. I believe all of the natives, there's seven tribes out there, biggest gathering there's ever been of tribal togetherness. And that in itself speaks that they're all concerned about our resources and what is happening. Bringing awareness to the public 
is an educational tool, and that is another reason we started the Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers. So we have a flyer we distribute to educate people about both the organization and things that are going on in the world, and we have our statement of purpose on there, and I can read it. It says, We stand in solidarity with all nations and Mother Earth by advocating for clean air, pure water, and safe and healthy food for all sentient beings on the planet. We support all groups who are working to protect Mother Earth. We demand that all fossil fuels, pipelines, mining, fracking, and other invasive methods of exploiting the earth be stopped and replaced with safe, renewable energy. We believe the amoral, greedy, and callous practices of the energy companies and their absurdly wealthy CEOs need to end now. And so this is something that if you believe in this, we want you to contribute in in some way to the group. You don't have to attend meetings, but we have events here and there. And really, our purpose is to stand for the preservation of the Chippewa Valley and the Earth as a place that is good to live in. Maybe we can pause right now for a moment to listen to some music, very much in tune with the spirit and efforts of the Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers. This is Swimming to the Other Side by Emma's Revolution. Some in vain. We can 
can worship this round and walk on, cherishing the beings that live beside. Loving spirits will live forever. We're all swimming to the other side. Humphreys as part of Emma's Revolution, Swimming to the Other Side. A good interlude before we turn back to Marion Robb of the Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers. We've got two members here today for Spirit in Action. They're members of the Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers. These are people actively working. You just heard their purpose, read by Rob, and Mary's also here. This is a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web, northernspiritradio.org, with more than 11 years of our programs for free listening and download. We have connections to the group. So when you want to find on Facebook, the CVEK, the Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers, on Facebook, you can connect up and join in their actions. But of course, this is happening across the nation. And so we'll provide more resources on our webpage, nordenspiritradio.org. Also on that site, there's a place for comments. When you visit, please do make our communication two-way by posting a comment when you visit. There's also a place to donate. That's how this full-time work is supported. It's not by the government and it's not by corporations. It's because you, the listeners, believe in this work. Even more important, though, I would ask that you support your local community radio stations. Rob's been DJ on WORT in Madison. Uh, Community radio is just so important. Alternative news and alternative music. And it's got to be locally rooted because all of our caring for the environment and for the world has to start in the communities where we live. So please start by supporting your community radio station. Again, Rob and Mary are here, and they're just part of the nucleus of about eight people who are with Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers. But there's a much larger envelope of people who are involved in this. Could you talk about the group and actually what you've done? I mean, it's 
people have been concerned about the environment. I came of age in 1972. It's, I turned 18, and just two years before was the first National Earth Day. There's Sierra Club, and there's any number of groups that have this connection to the environment and a sense of our place in belonging. How is this different? Well, I think with any movement that comes about that you can observe in history, people are called to action and they come from different places and they have different ideas about what to do. And so I support all the other groups who are mobilizing people to act. And what we do as a group is we meet and we are open to everyone in terms of making decisions and bringing ideas to the table. And that's something I have observed not all groups do. Some are have a very small leadership circle and they have connections with donors and that kind of determines the direction that the organizations follow. But we support all other groups in their actions as long as they are working to protect the earth and make sure that our connection with the earth is a positive one. And so what we've done is we've attended other events. We've gone to an event at the church where they were talking about the environmental crisis and spirituality. We've promoted and attended a Native American event that happened on the college campus. We are promoting for people to go to an EPA event that's being promoted by the Sierra Club. And we're also doing our own event that we're asking other groups to join us, which is on Black Friday. We are asking people to come to a mall, not because we want to tell people not to shop, but we identify it as kind of a significant public event that Americans engage in, where they work very hard, they hustle to get in early and try to get amazing products that our society creates at a more affordable price. And so we want to connect with these people and talk to them we want to talk to them about concerns that are beyond just their immediate concerns of the day of getting that this or that product, which they are entitled if they that's what they want. But we also want to kind of remind them of our connection with nature and this huge existential crisis that we face. And seeing that the media overall has failed us, they've helped basically a, a Nazi become elected. The media is not doing enough to warn people and educate them, not just about the seriousness of the environmental crisis that we face, but about what we need to do about it and the fact that we need to act very quickly in transforming the way our economy works, the way our politics works, the way our communities operate. And so that's why we are stepping into the public arena to activate ourselves and the people around us in the community to raise awareness and to make that change because we're not waiting for anyone. No matter what positive things they might say, it really in the end boils down to action. And we are only accountable to each other if we are willing to get together and talk about these things. We've had women gather and we have made 26 flannel blankets which we sent out to North Dakota. We have sent, oh, donation-wise. We had four truckloads of donation, food, supplies. Gardens were still growing. Somebody took two truckloads out of fresh produce. So in any way we can support Standing Rock, we are doing it with what they need, trying to keep on a daily update of things that they need. Right now they need firewood. They need propane to help keep them warm because they will be there most of the winter and until this is done. So we would like to help them out in any way. 
As Rob said, we've been at Grace Lutheran. We also went to a town hall meeting in Rock Falls where the Caffle Farm wanted to add another 5,000 head, and we went to the town meeting with the um, environmental DNR and voiced everybody voiced their opinion on how it's too close to the great Chippewa River that flows through our beautiful city too. So any action that we're asked, we will try to be there and support the people who are put into a position of needing some help. It all probably boils down to water and land and what we need to do for them. I want to toss and comment. You both have mentioned the church event that you mentioned, Rob. And Mary, you said, you know, it was at Grace Lutheran. David Weiss was the person who was speaking there, who has his own special theology he's been developing related to the earth. And I have had him as a guest on Spirit in Action. So you can find that at northernspiritradio.org. Maybe it bears a little bit more comment, the CAFO, the event you were talking about over in Dunn County about the confined feeding lot, the 5,000 head that are going to be added there. That was a successful, and this wasn't particularly just the Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers involved. I think there was any number of people. You mentioned, Rob, the Sierra Club action. I mean, obviously this is all, these are all groups working together. But I guess that maybe what separates your group from the others is a kind of explicit spiritual. Rob, you commented about the flat organization as opposed to hierarchical. Are there other actions that you've taken besides the original blessing of the water that seem particularly to hold up the the individual values of this group? We have actually had two water blessings, one at Bruns Bay and one at the Convergence. And both ceremonies, we ask the great spirits above to protect our water. In that, those instances, there are other ceremonies that are, can be performed. We do have a member that knows how to do the tribal ceremonies. And so we try to incorporate each one in our group. We each have different strengths. So as a group of Earth Mothers, we really would like to keep using all of our individual talents. We do. That's what we do. You were talking, Rob, about going to Oakwood Mall on Black Friday, as it's called. I'm I'm learning to dislike that name even more and more. I mean... I'm not into commercialism. I mean, one of the things that I think there's a disconnect that our society has between how we live and what that necessitates. It's, I think, probably as important to not use the fossil fuels as to go over to Standing Rock and stand against it. The need for the pipeline happens because people are using the fossil fuels. And so... I do have to start with myself and say, within my simple living upon this earth, how do I change what we use on the earth? How have both of you done that? What's, what have you changed in your lives that is part of making it possible to not have the Dakota Access Pipeline or to not exploit our water, to not ex- use poisons in our food? What have you changed in your life that is part of being the solution? As an individual, I've grappled with this and felt very depressed because things really are beyond 
my own efforts. And as someone who has, you know, studied and researched this, I found that individual efforts of my own are not going to save the planet. And I think that's a prevailing point of view that needs to be taken on and discussed and analyzed. And I really, you bringing up our action at Oakwood Mall and, you know, consumerism really kind of gets at the heart of the issue for me. So consumerism is really people on Black Friday, they go out and buy things that they often don't need to survive. You don't necessarily need a new laptop computer or a grill, but these are either part of status or just kind of keeping up with our society. And so to really take this conversation a little deeper, I'd like to get into the alienation that humans experience. So um, my background in anthropology helped me to really see beyond my own life experiences, which are very alienated, but to see how human societies have lived with a very deep and meaningful connection with nature that allows to them to have a very healthy society where all their needs are met, not just food and water, but connection, sexuality, and true spirituality and religion. So in my studies of anthropology, studying human history, I've come to learn about how humans survive through labor, employing their labor to transform nature into something they can use. In the past, I was gathering you know, food and materials to make their clothing and all the things they needed to survive. And now that we live in an industrial society, we use machines and factories. But under capitalism, because of private property, people as individuals have to sell their labor to someone else. Donald Trump would be one example, but, you know, your local business owner would be another. And these people, we shouldn't be reliant on their altruism, which is not really something that this society or this system encourages, but it should be on the fact that all the people who are engaged in an economic activity in a factory or at a school have a say. And that's where the alienation truly comes from, that there are people working at a factory, say in Eau Claire, that pollutes the water and then they drink the water. They're working at that job just because they need that job to survive, to make money, to buy the food and the things that they need. But if they were actually equal owners of that factory, that business, equal controllers of their school, they would actually have influence, they would have a say. And like the societies, early human societies where everyone was equal and had equal access, we could do that as well. And so really the project of fixing our relationship with nature and ending this alienation that we have from our own labor that creates the things we need to survive, we need to really transform this social and economic system we have so that we can be truly connected to nature and each other in a way that's healthy for once and for all. My perspective is working in the community garden, from starting the plants from seeds to the planting of the plants to the nurturing and the weed pulling, and uh, has brought me a lot closer to the needs and how healthy I am in the summertime from eating all those good healthy vegetables all summer long. I notice it in so many ways, especially with the gardening. And I love the charity harvest because then we are we take the food to the community table for the homeless. So it's like a big circle of giving. And that's why I think we also have to stay, you know, in a big circle of giving 
back and forth to each other and protect the resources that do support our life. Where do you see this group going from here? Is it something that's going to grow and flourish? Will it continue beyond the Standing Rock uh, occupation? What do you see as the future for the Chippewa Valley Earthkeepers? Well, you can look, for example, at what's going on in China with the incredible transformation that's going on there in their economy and the resulting just utter devastation of their environment. And the response of people has been to rally and organize to protect their environment and their communities from being destroyed. And so similarly, we also live in a system that's destructive in the United States where it's based on exploiting the earth. And so here in Wisconsin, we're going to face a similar threat that people are facing in Standing Rock with the pipeline going through our state to transport fossil fuels so that companies can sell them, can refine them further and sell them often to other countries. But I would also be against selling them within our own country. And so as long as we live in a society that has an unhealthy relationship with nature, people in communities around the world are going to have to struggle because they're going to be negatively effective. And so we're going to continue to organize to make sure that everyone has access to clean food and water and to prevent specifically these pipelines that are being planned in our state from being built and being run to benefit just a small number of people in this country. Since we've only formed this group maybe two months ago, we have had so many different resources contact our group. We have been asked to participate in so many events. And I guess my goal is that I would like to see us all become Earth Keepers to always think about the resources that we use every day, how we can recycle them, and do something every day just to bring awareness, whether it's composting all your food stuff except for meat, and building soil. That's one of my favorite things to do. It just every day give a thought is how can I keep and how we can keep our group active, I would say we want to hand it off to everyone. We want everyone to be our earth keeper. And if that's our, that is our goal, we want everyone to think about maybe creating their own group or resources or education. And those are the areas that we're working on. I think that our work is inherently political because, you know, I can try to do things individually, but it, it's very hard. For example, I live in an apartment building where the property owner doesn't give us access to recycling bins because it would cost him more money to contract that with the city. And so we actually throw everything out, not because I don't care about the environment, but because it's simply not practical for me to pay more money. I don't have a lot of money individually. But if we do collectively decide to change these things, we can force companies who save money who avoid the cost of recycling and reusing things, we can force them to change their practices. And that's by the people who are actually doing the work at these companies having control rather than being told what to do by their boss or their manager, them taking this project on of keeping the earth, of them deciding what practices that should happen in their workplace. And this is I guess the kind of movement that I want to help build that activates people to 
in their daily life, not just their personal life, but in their economic activities with other people to make a change in our relationship with the planet. We've been speaking today with Mary and Rob, both members of the Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers, just formed a couple months ago, as you heard from Mary, and already thriving. You can find them on the web, in, on Facebook, at CVEK, Chippewa Valley Earth Keepers. They're doing a number of things, but what you, you may be listening to this in any of the 26 stations nationwide that carry our programs, and so you probably have a similar group locally. If not, you probably need to do it. As Mary said, we need to all become earth keepers, and so I hope that the thoughts and the actions and the growing energy of this group acts as inspiration for you to make the seeds grow in your area. Thank you, Rob and Mary, for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to speak with you and to have a connection with a greater audience. Thank you, Mark. Our group appreciates being able to voice our opinions on things we feel are important to the society as a whole. And we hope to come back again sometime. I'm sure there will be more good work that you're doing. Let's go to some thematic music. This is We Belong to the Earth by Magpie. We belong to the earth. We all belong to the earth. It's not that she belongs to us. It's we
And when our spirits take flight, we lay our bodies down. Our ashes may be carried away on the wind, but we turn to the birthing ground. Return to the birthing ground, and we belong to the earth. Big thanks to Andrew Jansen for major production assistant on today's program, and we'll see you next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. This Spirit in Action program is an effort of Northern Spirit Radio. You can listen to our programs and find links and information about us and our guests on our website, northernspiritradio.org. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Mark Helpsmeet, and I welcome your comments and stories of those leading lives of spiritual fruit. May you find deep roots to support you and grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice, with every-